Welcome or welcome back to the Bicultural Identity, a podcast created from the experiences unique to young Asians raised in a Western society. We're your hosts, Connie and Jenny. Our weekly episodes contain conversations around social issues, pop culture topics, and nostalgic childhood memories that are significant in our lives as second-gen Canadians. Let's get down to business. Anyone pick up that reference? Let's get down to business. Now, do you pick up the reference? I feel like you're just the person I cued to sing because I can't <laughs> sing. I can't really sing either. But yes, if you couldn't tell already, today's episode is about Mulan because the live action movie just came out. It's been generating a lot of different conversations and mixed reviews. And it's just like been a huge topic on social media lately. So we thought we'd do an episode talking about the real story of Hong Mulan and also our views on the movie. Controversial to talk about this. <laughs> That's fine. That makes this podcast interesting. Fair enough. So we're kind of just going to go through the original story of Mulan. It's been circulating around the internet, but we wanted to take like our solid like 40 to 50 minute block here to properly explain what Mulan really is to the Chinese heritage. And then we'll also make some comments about the live action, like Connie was saying. Mm-hmm. And it won't be like revolving around the whole politics because I I think we've heard a lot of that on the internet already. We're going to try to offer our opinions just as like Chinese Canadians. We will talk about the reception of the movie a bit yeah. just because I do have stuff to say about that. Yeah, but like as a standpoint of a Chinese Canadian. Yeah. You know, and like the representation factor behind it. But we're just hinting at it now. So Connie did a lot of research. I died this week. Um, So she did a lot of research (laughs) into the OG story. Why don't you bring us through that? Sure. So the earliest version of Mulan that's ever been recorded is basically a written version that was passed around around 400 AD. I think that's like the Tang Dynasty but don't quote me on that. (laughs) It was believed to have like circulated before that too, but as an oral story. And back then it was called the Ballad of Mulan because it was pretty much written in like poem format. And it was really short, like just over 300 words or something. So it was just like a really simple and short story about this girl who took her dad's place to go enlist in the army at the time. Um, And she spent years fighting in the war, obviously did very heroic things. So then she got offered this prominent position, turned it down in order to go home and reunite with her family. And while she's home, she resumes her like feminine appearance. She puts on her makeup and clothes again. Mm -hmm. And then the soldiers pass by and we're like, what? You were a girl? And what's really notable is the last sentence of the Ballad of Mulan is... When a pair of rabbits run side by side, who can distinguish male from female? Wow. How did that even happen in ancient China when we still don't have gender equality in in China now? (laughs) I guess it's not terrible. And that's like the whole backing behind like the communist revolution in China. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's still, you know, like a lot of families still struggle with like gender equality even now. I actually saw an explanation for this because people are like, what? How How is this possible when China's so patriarchal? But there's actually been speculation that perhaps the popularity of Confucianism was not super high at that time. Yeah, it's kind of like China right now too. Mm-hmm. For a little bit of knowledge on current history or more recent history, how like their current government was kind of built on taking down Confucianism from regulating societal rules. And we're here for that. Mm-hmm. I think by the time this podcast 
podcast comes out, Jenny would have made her little infographic yes. on Instagram. Check us out at the Bicultural Identity on Instagram. I have a really great infographic on there on why we should stop glorifying Confucianism in the Western society. Very relevant to this. Yeah, that's actually pretty funny. We did not plan for that. At first, I was worried that I was dropping an infographic with no context, but here we go. I think my thoughts on this story, if I can go, yeah, go into ahead. it, I like how like simplistic it is, since Connie was mentioning that it's likely that it was orally passed down through generations before becoming like a written verse. Um, I think that's really significant because most stories that we know of were passed down from like generations just by storytelling and thinking about ancestors you know like still living very not great lives around like small meager meals and like Mm -hmm. you know living in the wild basically but still like having the time to tell that story maybe like at night with like daughters around and everything it's very heartwarming to even think of because all the stories that normally are told are like Greek myth stories of like Achilles, you know, being mm-hmm. the hero. It's nice to see that in China, there's this one story from like thousands of years ago that's about fe- female empowerment that was passed down. Uh huh. Because we're getting to history here, I recently read that very popular book called Sapiens. Yes. And he talks a lot about why is it that men are favored over women from different standpoints. None of it makes sense. Like you can say on average, men are stronger than women, like muscle power wise. But there are, in fact, a lot of women out there that can lift a lot heavier weights than men or they can just like endure more than men. So it really doesn't make sense. And I like how the story of Mulan kind of shows how a girl can be a good soldier and obviously we have women soldiers now but the idea passed with generations is just that women are too weak to fight or like we're weak so that's why we're below men Mm. yeah i think it like all comes down and i will like kind of rebut that a bit from my personal interpretation i'm guessing it's just that in the past like in the way way past when women would like go through childbirth most of them would probably end up dying and it's even rare for like the baby to like have made it through that process. Mm-hmm. I think everyone knows here, women are incredibly strong just for surviving childbirth. Agreed. And it's obviously gotten a lot better in the developed societies with like the medical care that we have. Um, but I think maybe back in the day, it was like, even if you survive childbirth, you'd be like basically unable to do anything for a very long time. <laughs> childbirth and is just a terrifying ordeal to Exactly. Be so you probably just like wither in a corner and then like the man would have to go out and like gather and like hunt mm-hmm. to raise the family. And your like muscles would probably just start deteriorating because you can't do anything because you just pushed a giant melon out, yeah. you know? And I think that might account for why, like, the roles were in place. It's definitely, like, a genetic reason, you know, like, women bear children are thus more dependent on, like, men to, like, protect her and the child, Mm -hmm. basically. Whereas men are free to, you know, propagate their genes everywhere. Yeah, but, like, it's also, like, um, how women have to, like, do the breastfeeding and basically, like, human babies are the most useless creatures ever right that is so very true. if the man can't keep the woman alive and like if she does dangerous things then their baby's gonna die too so there's like yeah. a lot of like natural instincts that come it into it on like making sure that you know the food source of the child stays alive mm-hmm. for long enough and then i think now that we're at the point where the rate of 
deaths by like birth or whatever you would call that technically yeah um has gone so down that like it doesn't make sense to still have those social roles or social norms i you see like scary buff women out there they're they all got like exactly we're capable of achieving like just as much strength as men Mm -hmm. also Um, like when women cook in the kitchen do not ever try to like beat them in like a um, arm, arm wrestling, wrestling match ju- or yeah. something. I had to train two years and I can Same. finally lift up my walk, guys. Why are walks so heavy? <laughs> I still have to use both arms sometimes and I'm like, help. Yeah. <laughs> but also, just a fun fact, if you didn't know, women endure illnesses way better than men. This is why we generally live longer. <laughs> That's... The tea, sis. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna try to go for most of this episode. This is my own challenge to not spew like a bunch about feminism again. I think Connie will take on that role. I don't know what I'm gonna talk about. We'll see what happens. But this movie's about feminism. You can't. I'll talk from my Chinese Canadian side. Okay, true representation for Asians. Yes. Before we move on, I actually want to bring up one more fun fact about the Ballad of Mulan that I forgot to mention. But in the story, she actually has a little brother. Wow. Which is, like, totally not in any of the Disney versions of the story. So, it's interesting, right? She still goes to battle because she's, like, older than her little brother. Do you know how old the brother was supposed to be? Um, well, he definitely could talk. I think he had a line in Uh... the actual, like, ballad. See, then I'm wondering if there's that underlying, like, realisticness of the ballad or, like, the told story now. um, That there's still some sort of, like, you know, mild, like you treasure your like little son or your younger son Mm -hmm. and he was obviously you know probably not old enough to even go to war but i wouldn't be surprised if in more traditional chinese families the woman or like the older sister would have felt even more of a responsibility to stand up and go to war because you know nobody wants their 12 year old son to just like perish in war and like the family name would be cut Mm -hmm, off as per tradition you know all that bull okay I just searched up in the actual translation of the Ballad of Mulan. I can link this, by the way. I just don't want to completely read out the whole story for you guys because what's the point of that? But there's a line saying, my father has no son old enough to take his place. And then apparently she was in the army for 12 years. Whoa. (laughs) Like she was faking to be a man for that long. How brutal must that be? Mm-hmm. Actually, that reminds me of a scene in the movie, but um, is that a good transition? Yeah, we can transition to talking about the movie now. Okay. And comparing it to, like, the old story of Mulan, like the ballad of Mulan, the myth of Mulan, whatever you want to call it. And also, like, maybe comparing it to the cartoon mm-hmm. version of Mulan. Okay, so we're going to just first ignore the reception worldwide of the movie. Um, we'll talk about that more later on. So we'll just start with, like Connie said, our our overall thoughts about, like, the comparison between all the different versions. Yeah, so one of the biggest complaints I've seen from people... Okay, wow, this is about reception, but this leads into my point. Some people were disappointed that there was no Mushu, there's no Li Shang, there's no music. How do you feel about that, Jenny? I don't give a crap. Um, I think I was a little hurt in the sense where, and this is like very Chinese Canadian of me to say, I think, but I really didn't understand why they kept reflection in the ending credits, but they let Christina Aguilera sing it. Okay, I was going to talk about this too. Like, that song is not meant to be a power ballad. Like, Christina Aguilera is super talented, but no. Yeah, like, I know there's already been a ton of complaints about how the entire crew was white. But I do see, like, the power behind how the crew was still, like, white woman for the most part Uh recruiting this. Not that that's okay still. 
but I think a lot of people have been angry enough about it already. Mm -hmm. Um, But my issue is that there are so many versions out there. Okay, again, politics aside, Liu Yifei did sing a new Chinese version of the song. It was beautiful. Yeah, it sounds authentic, like the way Mulan is a Chinese story. And I don't understand why they couldn't just slip that into the ending credits. Yeah, like what's wrong with having a Chinese original soundtrack for this Mm -hmm. movie? And like... It doesn't nearly have as many views as Christina's version, which is kind of sad because she literally plays Mulan. Yeah. But also, like, all that aside, too, even just bring Leah Salonga back. Am I pronouncing her name right? I don't know. Anyway, regardless, at least she's, like, Asian representation. Like, where did Christina Aguilera come from? No hate to her specifically, but I wouldn't even have taken on that song if you had asked me to and I wasn't Asian. Mm-hmm. But Disney does that so much. Yeah, like, if I wanted to hear her sing a song, I'd go watch the live action of Cinderella or something. Actually, now that I think about it, for Aladdin, they got Zayn to sing the, like, more poppy version of A Whole New World, and he is Arab, so... That worked out. They should have done the same thing for Mulan. Not that Aladdin didn't have its flaws in being, is this Bollywood or is this Arabic? And is Naomi half white? And if that matters. Please listen to our revisiting childhood minority characters or whatever that episode's called. That's a big throwback. Uh It was like one of our first episodes. It's probably pretty bad. Probably sounds a little rough. (laughs) Yeah, so... They should have really gotten an Asian version of Reflection, but Mm -hmm. that's fine. That aside, I do appreciate that there was no Li Shang because the less romantic-centric the movie is, the better, in my opinion. I also think it's weird. Like, I know that she had, like, a kind of a romantic interest in this one. But it was fine. Yeah, but I think that the whole Li Shang aspect, and, like, I am a big fan of the original movies. I watched it a lot whenever I needed, you know, like, a heartwarming thing to watch or just a Disney movie. But, like... It's always weird in a hetero relationship when the guy has a weird power trip over the girl. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, like in the movie, it was romantically executed, but in reality, it's like a mm, no, no. Yeah, agreed. Um, I like how in the movie they're still like kind of a leashing role where low key they were kind of bisexual if you think about it, <laughs> <laughs> bisexual icon. But he portrayed the good qualities of Li Shang, but he was like Mulan's equal and he kept saying that. Mm-hmm. And also in the end, how their relationship wasn't just like, oh my god, is this a spoiler? Are we allowed to say spoilers in this? Spoiler alert. It's implied that they would probably get together in the future, but there is no scene of Mulan getting together with her um, male love interest at the end of the movie, and I appreciated that. Yeah, so... I think the whole thing about the screenplay this time around for Mulan is that it was by, like, a load of white people. There's Mm. no (laughs) lying about that one. But you can tell, like, as people from a Chinese background, you can tell that they put effort in consulting actual Chinese people. So there's, like, that TikTok I saw a while ago on, like, these people saying um, what it's like to film a representation movie in Hollywood. And they're like talking to their diversity representative at this boardroom table and it's literally a rock. And that's what it feels like a lot of the times. But I think that with taking away Mushu and making sure her love line's not concluded, but her family reunion is Mm -hmm. um, versus like the cartoon movie where she kind of like went home. She saw her grandmother really quickly, but then turned around and Li Shang was there again to like propose and Uh everything or not propose. That was in the second movie. Um, But to like just say hi and like everything. They ended it again revolving around the romantic 
storyline. Mm-hmm. And it shows a lot of Chinese tradition to end it with the family storyline instead. Yeah. You know? Spoiler again, at the end of the movie, she goes back to her village like usual. This time, like the emperor asks her again to go back to like the imperial city or whatever it's called Mm -hmm. to be like a royal guard. And she ends up accepting, even though she like turned it down before Mm -hmm. in the story, like the original story Mulan, that does not happen. Mm hmm. I don't know about you, but for me, I prefer if that didn't happen. I know it's like a woman taking a role in power and she should do what she wants. But I also would like to see like a girl just living out what she thought was her duty, you know, being brave and then just going back to like being herself in Mm -hmm. her village. I see it like two ways. I see your way too on obviously how it's nice to emphasize that the definition of a hero isn't just what we've been taught the definition of a hero is Mm to the perspective of like a macho man. But at the same time, I think the way they changed the story is really like essential to where we live. And I said I wouldn't comment too much on feminism, but I do think it's important for children who would watch this movie to see that she stuck with her values. She went home and she like reunited with her family. And it was clear that her number one priority would always be her family. But then I think by the emperor chasing her down again with his soldiers and inviting her even after her first excuse or rejection, it shows that like there is opportunity out there for powerful women to both value their family and take leadership. Okay, yeah, that's a very strong point. Yeah, it's like your dream organization, right, as a woman to be able to take leadership roles now as like directors, VPs, CEOs, but have a company culture that still lets you see your children. I totally agree with that. It's just for me, like, as I said, it would be nice to see her, like, get offered the position, which she did, but also, like, living a more low-key life with her family, because I think in the daily life of a woman back in the day, there's also a ton of value to it, and many ways you can be a hero. Mm -hmm. So, like, it goes both ways. I honestly love seeing her also in positions of power, but, like, you know, yeah, just, like, If it respected the original story, that would have made it even better in my head. Yeah, I feel like, okay, so I'm not going to elaborate too much on this because I have a review of Mulan up on our blog that you can also go read. Mm -hmm. Um, Same as our show notes, like the biculturalidentity.com, really easy to remember. I just think that, and this goes into the reception again, but people like just seem to be so disappointed in this movie. But it's like, it's a Disney movie. They're writing a storyline to explain to the youngest child ever what the lesson of the story is. And that's also why I think she eventually, at the end of the movie, said yes to working for the general because Disney was trying to just like, you know, shove the message forward of all the young people out there just like, you can do it too. Yeah, seize seize the day, you know. Uh Speaking of like the Disney movie aspect, it's so funny to me that they gave Mulan like superpowers or not exactly superpowers, but there's like a lot of supernatural elements. Like, you know, that that bird thing or... Wasn't mm-hmm. it a bird? The it's phoenix, a phoenix. Yeah, that was flying and, like, protecting her. And then she had some, like, superhuman strengths, too. Mm-hmm. Like, that's cool. It made it more appealing to children. At the same time, I'm like, why did you make a movie for children this violent? <laughs> okay, yes. As a child, I wouldn't be able to watch it because I would be traumatized forever by it, just like I am by Jurassic Park. I still have not rewatched it. Um, <laughs> Same. But, like, my biggest pet peeve, people were so irked by her supernatural abilities. Like, a bunch of white people on TikTok were complaining about it. And this goes again into how, like, when my when our family was watching it, We could clearly see that they put a lot of research into, like, Chinese culture because the supernatural ability she had 
is actually like the basis of a lot of Chinese like folk stories、mm-hmm. and like a lot of Chinese TV dramas, movies, like everything is around wu shu or martial arts. Yep. So there's wu xia and xian xia genres that incorporate supernatural、mm-hmm. powers. And I think like the powers are always from hard work. And like almost like family morals and like passing、mm-hmm. down your family pride, so none of her powers were like a surprise to me because you just see it so often in like Chinese content. So like I think people who are butthurt by it just like don't have enough context on what a heroic Chinese character is. Yeah, and like basically how I was saying how I wouldn't go off on feminism. This is my case as like a background in a Chinese Canadian upbringing, similar to how I just said that. The word hero is defined by man. I think that here we seem to take the word hero as defined by a white man, and that is so true. Yeah, and her abilities to overcome her challenges ended up being canceled by us because people in North America had never seen wuxia. You know. Yeah, they think it's like almost taking away from the strength of a normal human. It seems、so、comical.、Sure. I can see how it seems comical to a white person that, that. that never saw it. We're arguing that they added like superpowers to a female to make her seem more strong, whereas you could have a normal female and make her like strong that way. But like, please, like Jenny said, this does come from a lot of Chinese culture and like Chinese entertainment and how there's a tendency to do these things in the first place.、Mm-hmm. We'll have more of my analysis on like her powers and our takeaways from it, or at least my takeaways that are posted on our blog. Looking forward to reading that. Yes. Elaborating on the powers, I also really appreciated, surprisingly, that they added the witch character、mm-hmm. who was who also possessed supernatural powers. Bless them for giving exposure to Gong Li and why am I saying this in such a white way? And Jet Li, these are legends, absolute legends in Chinese entertainment. It was so fun watching all of them in the same movie. Yeah, it was, it was like the NBA All Star game. Uh huh. Anyways, going back to the witch character, she was so instrumental in my opinion in providing a new way of viewing feminism. Her character was kind of used to like depict someone who's bitter from a society where men controlled women, and she obviously had a more like negative way in expressing her frustration with it. And Mulan was more like you know the protagonist and like. Healthy was, mindset. Yeah, had a healthy mindset about it. It was just really interesting to see these two different women, powerful women,、um, kind of clash, but also not spoil too much, but also kind of work together in the end. Go off, Connie. So I thought that was a really important character, even if it wasn't in the cartoon, if even if it wasn't in the original、um, story of Mulan. I thought it was a great addition、mm-hmm. to the story. One last thing I did want to bring up: Connie and I had a healthy debate over this during the movie. They played a single, like kind of like verse of reflection, but an instrumental version. When Mulan kind of overcame her own boundaries that were holding her back, so it would have been the end of the musical number in "I'll Make a Man Out of You."、Mm-hmm. Um, instead, she was like standing on this mountain, and they played a single like flute verse of reflection, and. I personally like really liked that. Like I got goosebumps from it because I thought it was so symbolic that the song about how she felt trapped、um, and like unseen by the people in the beginning of the cartoon version ended up being played the moment she overcame 
like her restrictions in this new live action. And I think it was like a really interesting tribute for Disney to make because it's almost like a little salute to their old version and like showing what's changed in the way they've grown. So I'm not saying like they've done everything well because they obviously have it. Mm Mm-hmm. Again, it's a Disney movie. Need I say more? They rule the entire Hollywood. And if Hollywood's not good, then that means Disney's not good. Um, But yeah, I think like that little small token of like that inside joke song was just really precious. Yeah, like Jenny said, we had a debate about this because at first I was like, why didn't they play Reflection when she was staring into the water, feeling defeated, and she sees her reflection? (laughs) But I never thought about the song in the context where she overcomes her, like, negative views on herself. Mm -hmm. So that's really interesting. I'm beginning to agree with Jenny that it was, like, a cool utilization of the song. Wow. I also... Once again, I don't want to spoil too much, but you know how in the cartoon version, there's a moment where, like, Mulan gets stabbed or something. Was she stabbed? Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. That's okay. how they find out. It's been so long since I watched it. So there's a moment where she's, like, almost defeated, right? It's like that in almost every, like, you know, hero movie, heroine movie. In this version of Mulan, she does not get stabbed. There's another way she's brought down for a bit. And I thought it was, like, the most beautiful moment ever like Mm -hmm. i can't tell you what it is but it was an amazing way to portray the strength of a woman i have goosebumps yeah me and jenny like simultaneously reacted to the scene when it came up we're like oh my god yeah it was so like i think it was the peak of their cinematic quality in that whole movie Um, if we're gonna talk about cinematography read my review (laughs) 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 i'm struggling with the pronunciation here my major complaint about the movie is editing yes it felt so choppy. The flow was just weird. And so I like agree with the criticism on that front. I've seen some criticism already about it. And I agree with that. Maybe less so with the other like complaints. But That falls into what I wanted to say about like the reception. Okay, let's move on to that then. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so everyone calm down. What the heck? I don't think it's necessary to... I, I understand. Okay, first of all, we completely understand everyone's political values. Mm-hmm. Um, just putting it that way, we never really comment on true like political directions of all our listeners because it's really valid to have whatever political opinions or whatever you know people you like to vote for. Of course, if you listen to our podcast, you know where we stand. Even if we don't like full on get into politics in our podcast, you know where we stand on mm-hmm. issues, and it's pretty easy to tell where we stand politically as well. But what bugs me is when people make others out to be evil based on their political opinions. Yeah. Without regarding how they were raised, what environment they were raised. Also, politics is just a concept created by mankind to continue the food chain that we've always had of monarchy and rich eating the poor. So tell them, Jenny. Yes, but I'm still a victim to it and I get heated over politics. So yep. that's not what our podcast is about. I'm not going to call anyone out for not liking Ife Leo because if that hits close to home for you, we have no place to like say that that's wrong. 100%. I think we're both just like so neutral about her. Like, mm-hmm. and then, you know, we don't love her. We don't hate her. Yeah. She just kind of exists. I didn't know she was a person before they casted her for Mulan. What the heck? I'm sorry. So clearly um, I know more about Chinese actors and actresses. <laughs> 
like in 2000. Actress and- is an actor. So why am I putting actors first? <laughs> but this was like in 2017. I remember I just saw her and I was like, oh my God, she looks like the perfect Mulan. And then they said the movie was coming out like decades later. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the heck? Um, but yeah, a lot has happened since then. And she has been canceled multiple times. But that's not what we're commenting about. I think the crux, ooh, haven't used that since grade nine debate club. Um, the crux of my argument is that Disney movies are exactly how they are, like Connie's saying and like my my review says on our blog. The flow, the storytelling is like so chunky and simple. They try to get all like the important scenes across as fast as possible in a you know short time frame of for a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, not a great experience overall to just like watch any of their live actions. I personally enjoyed Aladdin. I know there was a lot of you know, negativity behind that as well. I totally understand, like, the cultural, what do you even call it, inaccuracies? Yeah. And, like, the movie was chunky, but I enjoyed it because it's a Disney movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Same thing with Mulan. I think, and this is my statement here, I think people are confusing their political opinions with the actual people behind somewhere, you know? So I think like people... Like, behind the, the making of Mulan? No, like, I think people are taking their political opinions to hate on Mulan, and in turn, they're hurting Chinese people who do not have a stake in politics. Okay, totally agreed. It's basically like how one half of us is from the most hated country in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I would say the U.S. is also, like, pretty yeah. not liked they're by like everyone. Both but the... the two superpowers, yeah. you know? And I think it's like, this is maybe a brave statement. If I'm even, I mean, an American, I'm not immediately going to be like, oh, you like disgusting, like, you know, (laughs) no. I think, you know, like being an American doesn't carry the same labels. There's a lot of people out in the world who are very mad at the U.S. right now, Um, but they're not going to be like offended when they meet a random Californian. Yeah. But I think people are really not being able to blur the lines because they don't have like that diverse perspective on like skin color mm-hmm. so when they think about china they're just like oh like you're chinese you must be terrible i do think that's why mulan has gotten worse ratings than the other disney live actions even though those weren't great either mm-hmm. i think people just can't blur the lines between um racism <laughs> and very simply know, put <laughs> yeah between racism blunt. and actual movie reviews I like could totally sense a bandwagon hate here. It was particularly painful to see all the Asian Americans kind of just trash Mulan. Mm-hmm. And they're like, this is the worst representation. I saw this YouTube video being recommended to me with more than half a million views talking about how Mulan is the opposite of representation, everything. Yeah. <laughs> and like, okay, we already expressed that it wasn't like, you know, the perfect movie. It wasn't that great. It's Disney. But its rating on IMDb is like a five. And, like, all the reviews are, like, 1 out of 10. And I'm like, have you even watched this movie? Actually, though, like, I think people... Actually, some of the reviews that are negative come up with very good reasons that Connie and I have already talked about for why the movie deserves negative reviews. But I think that they automatically feel more justified or biased to give an extremely negative review because of the the connotations behind Chinese people these days. Mm -hmm. And it feels so sad because we always bring in this comparison, but I think it's because we're so empathetic and like understanding of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, But like Black Panther was such an iconic, Mm -hmm. so important, iconic moment in cinematic history. 
because like it was the first time mainstream media had a black her- hero mm-hmm. um to that size like he was literally in avengers and literally brings tears to my eyes when i watch videos of like black kids oh at God. school getting told that they're going to go watch black panther that day by yeah. their teachers and then they all like start dancing and cheering and it's so cute mm-hmm. and i think like when you're watching movies like tiger tail um the farewell you see like that asian representation and like they have you know the accents that your family would have mm-hmm. but it's like still a certain a genre of indie movies yeah mulan's the first time that i've heard people speak like my family back in China and like be the hero and the protagonist and all the characters in a movie. Like they were literally, they all had to be Chinese because it was in Mulan. Mm -hmm. Every extra too. Obviously there's like Korean actors, like different ethnicity Asians, but like what they represented for me, I think. Yeah. If that makes sense. There are points in the movie, like even if it wasn't a particularly touching scene where I just felt super emotional I felt this way in Crazy Rich Asians, too. Um, I think that was more the representation of, like, the second-gen in me. You know, how Crazy Rich Asians portrayed second-gen characters. Mm -hmm. Um, Although they had a lot of, like, not fully Asian (laughs) characters in that movie, too. Whereas with Mulan, it was more seeing, like, a powerful Chinese woman Mm -hmm. um, just fighting to protect her family. And I've been raised to have a strong value towards my family. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, there were just moments where I don't know, I just felt super connected with it. And it bugs me to see not only, like, Asians, because they're more validated to say this, but so many, like, white people or non-Asian POCs just say that it misrepresents. It's like, <laughs> And it just kind of, like, almost invalidates how I feel about this movie. So, like, if you're an Asian and you don't feel represented by the movie, especially if there's a political opinion behind it, I have nothing bad to say about that. You do you. It bugs me more when non-Asians try to tell me how I feel because it's not how I feel. I also don't like how people are, like, they have the opinions that they have politically, Mm -hmm. but it's almost like they want to be, like, a, a sniper and they disguise themselves as an intelligent commentator on Asian representation to take down this movie when the opinions and like the roots of the problem are truly like their political opinions Mm -hmm. so they're just like destroying a movie for representation that i felt and i think is valid i think this is why so jenna marbles i'm bringing in something completely irrelevant jenna marbles recently announced her retirement from like the internet basically the saddest day of my life right and i think it was so valid because she always was like an advocate for someone who said if you post something on the internet and someone is offended by it or someone is affected by it then that means that it happened and it's true you know exactly and it's like the exact opposite if mulan was on the screen and i felt represented then it's true i felt represented Mm -hmm. you can't tell me like what to feel That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like at the end of the day, everyone has their own opinions. It's really interesting that Connie brought up Crazy Rich Asians because I wanted to bring that movie up too. There's a lot of complications behind being ethnically Chinese. I think I've been like super jealous seeing my um, friends who are ethnically Korean because they have such a strong community. Like they're so proud of their Korean heritage. I've seen, you know, people from like a Latino background. They're Mm -hmm. so like community driven and so proud of being Latino and like all these other cultures and then there's a few countries that come into mind that i've met and like chinese people fall into one of them is that they 
teach their children to disassociate themselves from their culture. Yep. And I think the popularity of Crazy Rich Asians, like I know everyone went to go see it in theaters, like not just Asians, because they felt like they wanted to put their money towards like voting for the entertainment mm-hmm. industry. Mm-hmm. But I think by seeing like the box office successes of Crazy Rich Asians versus what's happening now with Mulan is like so poisonous because it's telling me again that I should conform to white people culture here. Exactly. And I should speak like them. I should look like you don't know how like Constance Wu is so whitewashed. What's his face? Henry Golding is not even like he's, he's half like Asian. half, you know, like it's just a very confusing thing. And you make me think like if I want to be accepted here and it's true, like I'm not going to hate you for it. But it's true that the sad reality still is that if I want to be accepted here, I should just like never talk about how I'm Chinese. Mm hmm. Okay, good point, because now that just reminds me how um a lot of people were complaining about this one scene in Mulan where she did not cut her hair like she does in the movie. Like, you know that really epic scene where she, like, slices her hair off? Yeah, and then still puts it in a bun. <laughs> exactly. People were, like, grumbling about that and complaining. But me and Jenny were like, but back in those days... Men had really long hair. <laughs> hair is like was symbolic to your entire being. I swear like men had longer hair than women. It's back like then. relating back to actually like indigenous culture in Canada and how mm-hmm. you know like the what's it called the schools, the residential residential schools. schools. The first thing they did was cut off these children's hair. And that's like Ugh. the same thing like why I still don't know why in Mulan she cut off her hair when she proceeded to put it in a bun again in the cartoon uh-huh. version. Weird. The reason I brought this up is because the pe- same people are complaining about misrepresentation. I'm like, and so you're you're out here whining about there not being Mushu and whining that she didn't cut her hair when those aren't accurate Chinese representations. Mm-hmm. This is actually an interesting thing to bring up. I'm trying to think about where they were insanely inaccurate about Chinese representation, and I can't find anything. I know a lot of people in China laugh about the makeup, but I take that as like, them just dramatizing, like, the costume and makeup design. You know what was interesting? I saw, like, a painting of Mulan that a site had when I was searching up the old story of Mulan. Mm. And it was exactly the getup she had in the movie. So I was like, did they just consult this website oh. or, like, that painting? Okay. So. That'll be um, part of our episode cover. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> But, yeah, that's interesting. I think that, like, I can't think of any moment that seemed really inaccurate to me from, like, a purely Chinese, like, I standpoint. Think- Obviously, there were so many white people on the crew Mm -hmm. and, like, you know, behind the scenes writing it. And it shows on the set, like, somehow, like, even though they tried to portray, like, an accurate imperial city and what ancient China looked like, it still was very westernized. Okay, yeah, it did look Game of Thronesy. Yeah, like, it wasn't exactly what you'd see in, like, a Chinese TV show or Korean drama. But doesn't it make it easier to absorb for the audience here? Mm Mm-hmm. Everyone is watching Mulan here through Western lenses, right? Um, And they're forgetting that this is a legend that was from China. And they're forgetting that, you know, these people wouldn't really be speaking English. It's true. (laughs) At first, I was so thrown off watching this entirely Asian cast. Some of those who are faces I've watched were like children and I know they speak like Chinese. (laughs) So I was so confused. I was like, what the heck am I watching? Why are they speaking English? Sometimes when there was long fight sequences and when the fight sequence would end and they'd talk again, I'd be like, whoa, 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 what are you saying? Yeah. What language is this? I just forget. Everyone had different accents their English. I was just so (laughs) confused. But at the same time, that didn't take away from the representation on my end. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, like that's my takeaway. I think one half of me felt very represented by everything I grew up with. Like Connie and I didn't grow up with a ton of Actually, no, that's a lie. We did watch a lot of TV from here, but we also like got a lot of content from China. Mm-hmm. And these are like the stories that we grew up with. Like everything was more accurate than you would think. Her phoenix spirit animal, her like superpowers, the way that she handled her family values and like yeah, like I don't know. I felt like it was everything was not like a stretch for me. Mm-hmm. Like when I first saw the phoenix, I was like, "Oh, what?" But then like the more it came up as a motif in the movie, the more I was like, "Oh, yeah, like I see exactly what this is trying to say from a Chinese story standpoint." Cuz they're like common symbols or common magical realism points in Chinese stories. Very, very true. So, I think now we can just like wrap up our opinions and maybe briefly talk about our takeaways or our general opinions on the movie. So for me, once again, I think it's totally valid if you don't want to watch Mulan. If you have issues with what some cast members have done, that's what your do opinion your is. Thing. Do you. Uh, but I think for everyone else, keep an open mind if you plan on watching it. Don't let everyone joking about it and hating on it deter away from your experience, especially if you're Chinese or if you're like any type of Asian, to be honest. Like we all have kind of similar histories and a lot of similarities to our culture. Um, So I want you to watch it with an open mind and hopefully appreciate it for what it is. It is definitely a Western take on a Chinese legend, but in order for something to be popular, that is really the only way to portray it. I think though it has its flaws, it really does make me feel happy. Mm-hmm. both on a like Chinese standpoint and a feminism standpoint. You know, it makes me re- feel really proud to be a Chinese woman. And one last thing, how awesome would it be if they made like an indie film for Mulan, like something not made for children, cutting out all the supernatural elements, just like the story for what it is, maybe doing a cool spin on it. Shh, I'll write the screenplay. Don't give away, away the idea. <laughs> yeah. I think it would be really cool to see a realistic take on Mulan, maybe like coming from China. I think I'd prefer if it came from China and it was in Chinese. But yeah, Yeah. for film writers out there, get on that, please. Cool. My opinions or my finishing thoughts, again, I felt represented and therefore it's true. It's a little aggressive, (laughs) but it's true. I think that it was really incredible to see this many Asian actors take the stage. They like, you know, they were all fluent in English. And I think that's why or like the main characters, at least. And that's why I felt represented even because like we say in so many other situations, Connie and I didn't really grow up thinking we could even be actors. Mm -hmm. It's not really something (laughs) like why would I think that when my like icons were Selena Gomez and Miley Cyrus, you know, like you don't look anything like them. Yeah. Like, what is happening there? And this I think is the reason why I grew up thinking I was ugly. Mm-hmm. Like, who was I supposed to compare myself to? Therefore, I'm announcing my career change into acting. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> go, Jenny. Go, no. Jenny. No. Anyway, I think, like, overall, it was a very, like, Disney movie. And that's what it is. Don't take anything so seriously. It's the perfect movie you want for a friend's movie night or any kind of movie night. Like, we watched part of it over dinner. It's, like, a very casual experience to, like, enjoy. And I don't think it has to be overanalyzed to the sheer amount that it has been. Like, for once, a statement can be just enjoying Mulan as a casual movie because minorities seem to be so 
you know, underprivileged that we can't even be enjoyed in a normal circumstance on media. Mm-hmm. Like it always has to be that we're the victims or something. Yeah. And like that's why this is significant for us as Chinese Canadians. Like just appreciate us in a bad blockbuster movie. That's my takeaway. Really great takeaway, Jenny. Thanks. Why don't you continue with your talking okay. <laughs> and provide us with the recommendation of the week? My recommendation goes out to another Asian, Asian American. Last week, there was the release of an album called Moonchild by Nikki. Ooh! Yes. Yes! I'm not usually a fan of her music, but it's just like evolved, I think, into like the point where I can listen. Like, I'm not a fan of like, what do you call it even? Authentic R&B? Um, uh-huh. Some sort of R&B. I'm just going to slip this in here. I love Nikki's music. Like, I liked her old stuff, too. Okay. I think Johnny's just never been into R&B. Yeah. But this album hit. Also, Moonchild is one of my favorite words. I'm basic, and I'm going to claim that term proudly because I hate, what do you even call it, M- misogyny. I just brought feminism in again. <laughs> but also, like... I don't know. I just really enjoyed this album. Like, go listen to it. Um, we've already talked enough about 88 Rising in our past episode. That's another plug in there. Go check it out. Episode number eight, 88 Rising. Other than that, like, this sounds so stupid because I'm all for sustainability, but her merch is so nice. I had to try so hard not to buy it, and I am ashamed to admit that the only thing that stopped me was the shipping price. Otherwise, I would it's have gotten like myself... the same price of the, yeah. the shirts. But it saved me from another crew neck. That I wouldn't need. But it's like a moon and it says moon child and that's like my vibe, you know? Jenny's lock screen says moon child. It doesn't anymore. (gasps) You changed it? Dude, it's my friends. Oh, my lock screen is my family. I can change you out. It's fine. (gasps) No, I'm more important than moon child. Jenny, why don't you tell our audience what your favorite song on this album is? Or you don't know. (laughs) So, um, like, being fully honest, I didn't save every song on this album, but I think saving every song on an album is a rarity for me. That's a rarity even for me. Yeah. So, um, I'll save the songs I saved. How about that? Not oh, including... You don't even have one favorite? No, like, not even including her singles that she's already released from the album. I'll just say, like, the new ones I've saved. Okay. But I think I quite enjoyed Nightcrawlers, oddly enough, and... Why is that odd? I don't know. I think you said you didn't like it at first. Yeah, but now I really like yeah. it. It was and like then, a, a grower. Mm-hmm. And then I just like Drive On because, again, of the merch. <gasps> That's one of my faves, too. There's I love like Drive On. that lyric she put. I liked it before I even listened to the song because I saw the merch. And there's like that lyric line that she put on that has like all my favorite words in it. Connie was laughing at me because <laughs> of this. I'll pull it up real quick. Jenny really loves that moon child aesthetic. It says, children of the moon, may we grow, oh, may we bloom. And I think it's like... So Johnny like, loves the ooh. word bloom, too. Yeah. <laughs> I was just dying. I was like, she wrote this for you. Yeah, basically. Other than that, I saved the four words, like wide open, plot twist, if there's nothing left. That's about it. But everything else, all the other singles I had already saved. So True. Yeah. I was going to say my favorite is like Drive On and Switchblade. I really like Switchblade. Yeah, Switchblade is good, but I already saved that one. So mm-hmm. Great, great, great recommendation. I did not know you were going to do a music one this, Merci beaucoup. this time. So, yay. Okay. <laughs> go watch Mulan yeah just do it like enjoy just enjoy some lighthearted movie don't think too much COVID's already been you know 2020's already been so heavy just watch a dumb Disney movie everyone relax chill out thanks Connie I think we're good we're losing it it's um 
11 p.m. This is the latest we've ever recorded. I literally cannot talk this late at night, so mm-hmm. we'll see how this goes. So we'll just move to Connie and she can end off the episode and hopefully she doesn't stumble too much. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed our discussion on this week's topic. To hear more, you can subscribe to The Bicultural Identity on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. While you're at it, we'd also greatly appreciate any reviews on iTunes or simply sharing our podcast with your family and friends, but of course, no pressure. As well, any opinions and experiences discussed are solely based on our own experiences as second gens. We invite you to share your thoughts on our social media, at TBI Podcast on Twitter and at The Bicultural Identity on Instagram, where you can also find the link to our website with our show notes. Thanks again for listening and be sure to tune in next Monday for our next episode. See you then.